This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So I'm going to talk about this idea of living a consecrated life and this week and next week or from consecration to proclamation. And um, especially if we're going into the holiday season, some people are visiting us. I saw James' family here. I saw some other families here from Gauteng. Yandre's, there's some people with him. There's who else is visiting us from other places. Oh, welcome here. Oh, yeah, Jason's family is here and all. I don't know you guys, but welcome, welcome. Okay, so it's so nice to, to have people. Oh, Pastor James got a baby. They got a baby last week. So it's just congratulations. Another, he's got new pink shoes. Is it pink? Um, but he's got new shoes because now he's got two girls, you know. So welcome, James. Um, but it's so amazing. James is distracting me in front with his shoes. But um, it's so amazing when we as believers know that we live and are supposed to live in a different way. Um, We're not just normal people passing through trying to exist. And listen to this in Exodus 19. um, It's like the encounter with Moses and God. And Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isn't, isn't this an amazing? This is an amazing scripture. You know, um, the Lord saying that this, out of God's perspective, um, most of us would think in terms of this whole thing in Egypt as a deliverance from the world and the world system. And, and we say, yeah, yeah, God set them free. But this is how God sees it. He says, Go and tell the people of Israel, go and tell um, your children or your fellow Israelites, this is how I see that that I brought you out of Egypt unto myself. I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Um, isn't, Isn't that a different perspective? I always thought like Moses walking up and saying, let my people go. It's, It's all about freedom of slavery. And that's part of that, but God sees it differently. He says, I, I brought you out to have time with me. I brought you to myself. It's, it's about knowing God. And listen to this in verse 5 now. He goes on. Now, therefore, if indeed you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Sure. Did you know that God's desire, especially over this time when some of us go on holiday, there are some doctors here, so they have to work hard, and some other people don't have holiday. But, but even this time when everything gets a bit more quiet, this is what God wants. God, God sees you as his special treasure. He sees us as his special treasure. <laughs> and he says, if, if you'll obey me and you'll do things differently than what the world does, then you become a consecrated people. You're going you're gonna to understand covenant with me, but everything belongs to me. And I'm, I'm going to make you a certain type of people. And he says, that, that type of person you will become or the church will become and believers will become. And obviously we know the church is much more than just people gathering here this morning. He says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
and holiness and separation and a consecrated life is 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 so much different you know when somebody walks up to you and say hey i i something is different about you i I want what you have i think that's the biggest compliment for any christian (laughs) you know i remember we went to rwanda once and it was just after the genocide where more almost a million people got slaughtered in a in a intense brutal way and um, so we walked into this place and it was a, there was a big building probably bigger than this hall full stacked up with corpses still of what they because so many people died that they had to throw lime over the corpses to just preserve it that there won't be a lot of diseases and um so they were busy separating these corpses so we walked in there the people that actually took us they didn't warn us before the time so we were a bit tra- traumatized um, and so as we walked out, there was this room and this sort of a museum thing on the side. And as, as we walked in, we didn't have any like Christians or, hey, follow Jesus or a fish on our head or anything like that. Um, but as we walked in, these three ladies came rushing. I'll never forget it. And the one grabbed me here at the back and she was starting to shake me. She just shook me and, and she said, we want what you have. And, and, I, and I thought like, sure, you know, coming from South Africa, sometimes you want to just get your jacket, and you you know, this is my purse, this is my wallet, you know, but um, then I realized it's much more, because he said, when you walked in here, there was so much light shining that we realized you, you must be Christians, and those three ladies knelt down there, they were like, the one was the overseer of this museum area, she said, we want the Jesus that you are following, and, and, and I just looked, and I said, like, I was checking, like, follow Jesus, repent, or, I don't know, turn or burn. I don't know what was that. But there was nothing on our T-shirts, you know. And she just said, when you walked in here, in this immense dark place, we could see you have the light. Is, isn't that amazing that when, when we as Christians, we, we have the light? I remember uh, one more story. There's a, a, a lady that was a... She was actually in primary school. We, I knew her from very, when she was young, and, um, and she went into Satanism. She, was, she studied here, and I think it was in her third year that she completely lost her mind. But she went into very dark, dark stuff. Uh, and then she went to Green Ruths, Grundakis. I don't know what you call that, you know, where people lose their mind. And there were nurses, Christian nurses, praying for her. And she got delivered. And the Lord said to free completely she committed her life to christ and she became a christian and about two or three years later we sort of caught up with her and then she told me a story i will never forget that story she told me that when she was into this darkness and satanism and throwing all the curses and all that stuff she would walk down victoria street and then she would see the spiritful christians by a mile and then she would actually sometimes cross the road because she was so afraid, this was a words, of the light that they were shining. The only thing that challenged her, she said, is she, they never realized their own light. <laughs> they walked a bit of shame. And so, so that may be an absurd story, but hey, you weren't there. She told me she was there. Okay, so, so the, the idea of us as, as people that live differently is not like we should be spooky. But when you go on holiday or when you go into this time, it is so important that we consecrate our lives. <laughs> Don't switch off from the Lord. Don't just say, hey, because it's really in times like this that God speaks to us in a very specific ways. Now we're going to jump to verse 10. 
And he says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You know, there's, there's a lot of things happening in the church and in Christianity where there's this one group that would go and say, hey, it's all about the deliverance. The other group would say it's all about the promised land. But the whole story of Moses' bringing the people out was all about meeting God. But when you meet God, you have to meet God on His terms, not your and my terms. And that's where some other people... The one goes into this prosperity promise, just go for the promises of God. And the others go with this almost like a false grace type of message where it says, hey, Jesus is your buddy. <laughs> he, he's just like, you know, and, and there's sometimes so much familiarity that, that creeps into our hearts. But the end time church will be a church that has one thing, I believe, it has the fear of God in its hearts. A holy reverence and a respect. And yes, he is our father. And yes, we love him. But, but there's, a, there's a, a challenge creeping, especially into the charismatic church that, that says, hey, God is just my buddy. Because we want to be free and we want to come with slip slops. One day I'll still also wear like shorts and tackies and all that stuff. Um, you know, let me just tell you a story. But that's just between the two of us. So yesterday I was... I spoke at the evening service there, but I forgot my long pants, so I borrowed Dylan's long pants. Now, I'm, Dylan is just a bit shorter than me, and I thought, like, wow, you know? So now, I get the, uh, he's, so he's got three sets of pants there, and the first pants is like jeans, but it's like, like stretchy jeans, you know? So, so now I'm standing there at the back, and I'm trying to, now I am a bit taller than him, and, and we're the same size, so... Now, I'm trying to get into this pants, but I can't get into the pants. The pants are just so tightly fit that, you know, eventually I got the jeans on. But don't tell anybody, okay? That's just between the two of us. So I'm standing there with this pants, but it's like, it's stretchy pants, so it feels like a tight, you know? But so, so eventually I have the pants on. It's loose up here, but here it is so tight. So now I'm standing there in this little room at the back, and I'm thinking, like, I must go preach. But I'm thinking, like... How on earth am I going to, how do people move with this thing, you know, because you feel like, oh, you know, you can't basically breathe. This thing is so tight, you know, that like, but this is cool, you know. So I'm standing there, I'm thinking like, shoo, you know, and now I've got this long, long shirt in and I just want to hang the shirt over everything so that nobody, because I think like, whoa, how can you wear stuff like this in public, you know. So I'm, I'm walking down there and I think like, okay, second, second pants, you know, uh, they, f they fitted better, you know, eventually the third pants was much better, but it was still a bit stretchy and all of that stuff, after half an hour you struggle to breathe in that clothes, you know, and you think like, whoa, you know? but, but that's sort of like, you know, now we sometimes want to bring that type of stuff into, into our relationship with God, because we are free, and people say, I'm not religious, you know, don't, just don't be religious with me, but there's good religion, it's to look after widows and orphans, the scriptures say. And there's discipline, and there's holiness. And, 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 and it's such a challenge for especially young people, because we want to be so free, but sometimes that freedom isn't the real freedom that God wants to give us, because it's a freedom of the heart. And so, so this, is, this is what consecration means, is that you and I can't just go into this world and we assume a lot of stuff. It's called familiarity. We just go on with life because, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm maybe an older Christian, and, and I, I was there. 
I was also jumping up and down like teenagers one day and passionate, but they're going to get into the real life. And then we lose our sharpness. We lose that ability to hear the Holy Spirit. We lose the fact that every day is a day that God has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So, so don't switch off this holiday. It's, it's a time where you consecrate yourself to God. It's a time where you consecrate the new year to God. It's a time where you listen what God is saying because you're going to have, you need a word from the Lord that will carry you through the next year. And, and sometimes that word is going to be tested. Sometimes you're going to only have that word. And everybody else is going to say, you know, I remember Eugene and I were talking at the beginning of these, this year about the Afrikaans service and all of that stuff. And we were just like, and there were some people that were just negative and just said, no, no, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But sometimes when God tells you and he tells the leadership something, then, hey, we have to stick with it and go with it, you know. And now we're standing at the end of the year and we see so many lives that have changed. So many people that are, have been so offended with church have come back and God is creating a space for them. And, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to be obedient to God but the moment when you want to step outside of the boat you know what there's always going to be opposition and your greatest opposition is going to be a spiritual opposition and secondly it's going to be a Pharisee and a Sadducee it's going to be unbelieving believers that always tell you what you can't do now it's getting very quiet in here stay away from unbelieving believers And I'm not saying we're perfect. We should be perfect. We're not perfect. But the amazing thing is God says, I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. God is a jealous God. Listen to this in Exodus 20. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. I am a jealous God. Do you know that God is jealous? He says, you are my special treasure. My people, you are my special treasure. I, I've set you apart to, to be with me. And, and so today, you know, I've, you know, when we were in Nepal three weeks ago in India, there it's so easy because you, you drive around, around every corner there's a temple. And there's like blood sacrifice temples. There are stuff. And, and people march around at four o'clock. Everybody's there. Millions of Hindu people would go to the temple in the morning and after work they'll go again. Those people are very, very dedicated to their religion. And so it's easy to drive through India and then say, we can see all the idolatry. We can see the temples. That's not right. We know the real God. But the more difficult idols are the ones of the heart. It's those things that we escape to. And, and so the challenge is very simple in this time. Some of our, the idols in our hearts will be exposed. And God will allow it so that we know that we are his treasure. He, he bought you with a price. Now that's, that's amazing when you and I realize actually, and this is a tough one. The Lord challenged me about two months ago on this. He says, I say Lord, and that means his owner, his master. If we sing Lord Jesus, then, then, it's, then it's quite a statement we make of who he is, and then also what right he has over your life. If I say Lord, if I, if I say Savior, I, it means that he's come to save me. He's given me this amazing thing of salvation, and I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. But the moment when I say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, 
I am making a statement. I'm giving him the right to take my life over and to possess me in every way. That means also that I am not in charge anymore of this body, of these emotions, of my life. Because I've given over the right, any entitlement, any stuff, I've given everything to him. So I cannot make decisions on my own. I cannot make a decision and say, I'm the boss and now I'm just consecrating it to God. So next time when we sing, Lord, think about it. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> Woo! It means I give up my rights. I give up my life. I've now started to live for him alone and for his glory. And that's why the Lord says, that the, the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods. In India, it's easy. They've got four million gods. You can see them. Everything is a god. The cows are gods. This is gods. This is gods. Everything is gods. You create your own God, but the God of the heart. There's little things that we sometimes escape into. And we, we all have, and some, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to condemn us because there's a grace for us. And I'm, I want you to take a minute quickly. Just, you don't need to show anybody next to you. But I want you, want you to be honest and just take a piece of paper and a pen quickly as you're sitting or your phone and make a note. What would you think are three things that God would be jealous over in your life? Because some people say, no, God can't be jealous. Nobody, but Scripture says he's a jealous God. Just, just maybe three things that that he would be like thinking, sure. That thing is competing for attention. That thing is. And it can be positive or it can be negative. Sometimes it can be something like your fear. Do you know that some people love their fears? It gives them a sense of safety. Does that make sense? Mm. Sometimes they, people become so used to their shame that that becomes their God. They don't want to let go of that. God is a jealous God. He says, I want to bring you to myself. I want... I want to I want to have communion with you. I want you to live consecrated lives. Some people are making like long lists, but that's all right. That's why hey, we, we are here to come to God. Okay, the last scripture, and then we're gonna pray for each other. In first Peter two, verse nine to eleven, we all know this scripture, but it says, But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, 
We have not obtained mercy, but now I have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So he makes this statement, and then he says, I beg you, if you, if you want to walk this type of lifestyle, if you want to live in this place of being a consecrated people and a holy people, then at the end, he, he sort of comes and he says, I beg you, stay away from the fleshly lust. <laughs> stay away from the stuff that the world wants to bring, because that's going to rob you from this place or this way of living with God, being a different people, being a holy people, not like sitting in a monastery up in the, in the mountain and saying, oh, don't touch the sinners. But when you walk into that place, people say, hey, you're different. You're different. The way you speak, the way you respect others, the way you love others, you're different. There's something different about you. And guys, we are not really real Christians if, if we don't, if we, if we live, live just like the world. Is it a bit tough? Yes, it is. Because that's what Scripture says. <laughs> How do we look different as the church than the world? Unfortunately, in many churches, and in our own, yeah, sometimes the world has crept into the church, and there's no difference between the church and the world. So when you walk out those doors, how does my life look tomorrow morning? And this is what he says. He says, I beg you, stay away from that stuff that can so fulfill your desires and, and give you all this stuff. But that's so false because it robs you from a position before God. And let's look at verse 9 because this is, this is what we're going to pray over each other. And, and if you have the freedom, just go back one slide. We're going to get a, a bit practical and, and we're, going to, we're going to pray for each other around this because it, it may mean something different to each one of us. But, but in essence, it says you have been chosen by God for something specific. God has chosen you. He has consecrated you for something specific. And then he begins to mention it. He says, first to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. For some things. And what is those things that you will do? He says, when you're this priest, because what is a priest? A priest is a bridge builder. Somebody that builds a bridge between God and people. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your nation. A priest was somebody that would walk in front of God and represent the people to God. And then from that position of being in front of God, then would go out and then repre would represent God to the people. That's a priestly people. That's why intercession is so crucial. It's where you can go and stand before God and you can say, Lord, have mercy on my nation. Lord, I pray for your release over this nation. It's so powerful when we become priests. But he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priest of the holy nation, his own special people. For what purpose? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now are the people of God. To proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. To make him glorious. That's why we live. <laughs> to tell the world that Jesus lives. But I know most of us in this time, we think like, oh, don't talk to me about that, you know. I remember not last night, the night before that, 
And so we were tired and um, because of running around with all these teenagers. And so I'm walking up there, and I'm sit, just sitting at the back, and I'm thinking like, ah, oh, what, you know, hallelujah, somebody else is preaching the evening, so I'm going to just sit there at the back. And as I'm sitting there, the Holy Spirit says, will you stand in the gap? I want to change some people's lives. So I'm thinking like, Lord, it's not my turn now, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to just relax here. I'm going to relax. He says, Lord, don't bug me. Don't bug me right now. Because the flesh is weak, you know. And then the Holy Spirit says, pray. So I'm sitting there, and the Lord gave me a word. And he says, there's some people that have dreams. And it's just amazing when God, I like it when God pulls people's files. Huh? Have you ever seen that when God, like, and so the, the Lord gave me this picture of these doors that were opening up. And so I woke up, and, and Moja was preaching. Lots of kids gave their lives to the Lord. And, um, but I just said, there's a lady here that's been dreaming a dream for many years of doors opening up. And you're in that season for the last three to six weeks. God has been speaking to you a lot, but he wants to confirm of what he's doing in your life. Will you come to the front? And here comes this girl. And she just starts to weep and breaks before the Lord. And it opens up the door for all these young people to realize, like, there's a God, and he knows my number. He knows what's going on. Because I didn't know. I just told her what the dream is she dreamt three weeks ago. And it was exactly 100% what she dreamed. And now she begins to weep, and she testifies. And then everybody knows, like, hey, this isn't a God up there. This is a God that's real. I mean... We love it when God's plan comes together, but that's only when, when you have to sometimes decide, I'm, I'm not going to be the flesh now, I'm, you know, because I've got all these rights and all this stuff, and I'm not talking about spiritual performance. I'm talking about just being yielded to God. So I, I want you to take two minutes. If you have the freedom, otherwise, just by yourself. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think it means to you right now to be a priest unto the Lord? So you can sit and make your own notes, or if you have the boldness, will you turn to somebody next to you, maybe two or three? What do you think when it says you are a chosen generation, a royal holy priesthood? What does it mean to be a priest in this time when most of us have a holiday, a holy people? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.